Good morning, Four Points. Hope everybody's doing well. I'm so excited about week six of Consider the Source, and here's why I'm excited about it. We, up until this point, we've talked about prayer for five weeks, and I believe this is kind of the thing that wraps you back in, helps you understand what to do. So this is what I want you to do this morning, is I want everybody to be in tune with me. I want everybody to talk to me and be talking back with me, and today we're going to talk about the Word. And so I want you to look at the person beside you and say, word to your mother. Say, word them up. All right, because this is why. Listen, if, if you stay still or you're not really connected with me about the word, you're going to miss so much. Because here's the deal. When we think about the Bible, many of us, and, and me included many times, we're like, Pastor, I'll pray but I really don't get this whole Bible thing. Like I struggle with the word. I struggle with like getting into it. And it really feels like a chore. It really feels like something that if I do it, I know it's the right thing. But if I don't do it, like, is God mad at me? Am, am I in trouble? And, and like, like how many of y'all had to do chores growing up? Just show me your hands. Show me your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Some of you guys did not raise your hands. I need to talk to your parents and ask what was going on. Like, if you're a man today, some of you guys are. We won't go there. But, like, if you're a man today, you have chores too. Let's just all be honest. If you're married, you have chores too. And you know what I'm talking about today. You don't love it. It's not awesome. I don't look forward to doing the dishes, okay? Can I just be honest with you? It hurts my back, everybody laughs at me, but I bend over just enough, it's the worst. But like, this is what I really think about with chores. And if you like chores growing up, I really need to have prayer with you because I don't get it. Like, you're that weird person that looked forward to chores. And I heard one person say, well, we got, we got an allowance. At my house, you didn't get an allowance. You got, boy, do you want to eat? Well, then you're going to do your chores. Come on, like, like that's, it's terrible, right? So, Here's what, here's what I really believe happened when I was a kid. This was chores. My uncle and dad would find trees, okay, that didn't need to be cut down, and they would cut down trees in my front yard all the time. And as soon as we got all the sticks picked up, they would find another tree, and they would cut another tree down. And this was our Saturdays. Hey, guys, guess what you get to do today? Cut down trees and then pick up all the sticks, and you have chores to do. No, I want to play video games. You're picking up sticks. All the time, we had to do chores. No one likes chores. Are you with me? Nobody likes them. Nobody likes them. My kids now, we got things that we're trying to get them to do, especially Lainey. And for like two weeks, she'll do them awesome, and then she'll forget. No one wants to do chores. Why? It's called chores for a reason. It is something that you have to do, not something that you want to do. And the Bible honestly feels that way a lot of times. Here's the deal. We have a goal today. And the goal for you today is for the Bible to go from reading the Bible to go from seeming like a chore to something you adore. And that's not natural. Most people for reading the Bible, it's a chore. We want it to go from a chore to something you adore. And so we have to explain to you what that means. What does it look like? Because for a lot of us, it's picking up sticks or doing the dishes or doing laundry because that's my wife's least favorite thing to do. She doesn't want to fold clothes. Some of y'all just said, amen, I heard you, come on. Like, that's not what we want to do. And so it feels like that, right? It's dry some seasons. Pastor, is reading the Bible really dry for you sometimes? Yes, it's really dry. It's really hard sometimes to read the Bible. Why? Because my mind's not right. 
My heart's not right. I'm, I'm not in the right place sometimes. But this is what I found. If I keep doing it, it's not that God loves me more or it's not that God loves me less. It's for me. It helps me. And listen, this is what I need you to know to start with. For some of you, and this message is for you, and you may be a guest or you may have been coming here a long time, the Bible honestly feels like just any one of these books, right? I've got leadership books. I've got preaching books. I've got books over here that will help me learn how to, how to learn the Bible better. I've got all these, and they're all really well written. All of these books are good. They teach me all kinds of different things, and they're very good books written by men and writ written by women that are very good books, but they're just books. This is not just a book. This is the Bible. It's life-changing. It's game-changing. It changes everything. But until you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, until you know Him, until you are personally His son or His daughter, until that happens, these books and this book are very similar. Because it's just a well-written book at this point. It's just like a literature book in part of it and just like a history book in part of it. And, and it doesn't seem a lie because it's not. Because you are in darkness is how Scripture describes it. There's a veil over your eyes. When the veil is pulled off of your eyes, and all that means is you've trusted the Lord Jesus, you are alive in Christ, this goes from something that is, that is I don't really get it. It doesn't make sense to it changes everything. I, actually, this is crazy. This is what it says, that I can be smarter than my teachers. Why? Because I know this. I know this. It is, it is much different than we often give it credit for. And, and I want to teach you something today that's a little bit different. When I was thinking through, I was like, how do I describe it? What's the starting point? What would, what would make us want to start reading the Bible differently? And I want to start back at the beginning. I want to go all the way back to the beginning, and I want to take you to my favorite book in the Bible, and that's John. John is my favorite book in the Bible because it most tells us who Jesus is. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were the other four Gospels. It's the beginning of the New Testament. They tell us what Jesus did, and it's, and it's awesome. They're amazing. They start their books with like the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew and Luke. But John said, you know, I'm going to do it a different way. John was the beloved disciple. John was the disciple that never left Jesus. When Jesus went to the house of Caiaphas to be tried, John was in there. He, he was at the cross when Jesus died. He never left Jesus. And so his perspective is different than anyone else's. And I just want, to, I want you to see today what his perspective is, because I believe it changes everything. Because remember, everybody else started their books differently, but John tells us who Jesus is. And listen to what John said. In John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, now get this, in the beginning was, what's this word? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now listen, in the beginning was the Word. Don't miss this. In the beginning was the Word. When, when was the Word? In the beginning, right? It's always been. It's always been. It's always been. And so when you hear that, it's pretty cool. Hmm, the Word. But you have to understand what the Word is to really get the context of what this means. And look, this is what it means. In the beginning was Logos. Y'all say Logos. In the beginning was Logos. And the Logos was with God, and the Logos 
was God. Now to understand, this is the Greek word. Logos is the Greek word that is most simply defined word, but it's not really very well defined. By the way, if you watch the National Spelling Bee, which freaks us out every time we watch it because they spell stuff, and I'm like, why do you know how to spell that? I, I have to spell check everything that I do. When I'm handwriting notes, I can't even get believe right. I always spell that backwards and like all these other words, and they're getting like these long words. One word on the last round had logos in the root, and I was like, ah, that's awesome, right? And it comes from the root, words, but it has a much more deep translation, and it's the expressed thoughts of God through the Spirit. Whose Spirit? God's Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Divine utterances or the words of God. Now think about this. In the beginning was the words of God. In the beginning was the thoughts of God. In the beginning was the expressions of God. In the beginning was, was us knowing about God. All of these things that we have right here have been around since the beginning. They didn't just come about. It wasn't like these guys got together and said, hey, what should we put in a book? The Bible is not a book. The Bible is a, is a group of books, 66 to be exact, that are put together to become the book. But it is not just a book. And why? Because it is logos. It is the expressed thoughts of God. This is the thoughts of God put together, given to us. That's why it's not a chore. I wonder what the thoughts of God are. It's, the, it's in the book. It's right here. And so this changes everything. When you read this, you're reading logos. You're not reading, these are some words that dudes wrote down. And I've heard many times, by the way, people talk about it and they're like, look, it's just a bunch of people. It's no different than my book. It's no different than my book. It's no different than any of these other books. It's just men and, and women. They wrote this stuff down. Listen, false. This is the game changer. Logos. The expressed thoughts of God. Now verse 2. Remember, we're, we're saying in the beginning was the Word. So we're describing the Word. He, meaning the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Everything that was made was made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Did you hear that? There's not one thing, that you got to get this, there's not one thing that's ever been made without the Word. Nothing ever, ever. And this is what I want you to understand why. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Remember back to this. From the beginning, with God. And nothing has been made or put on this planet or done or in this universe or in all of heaven or anywhere without the Word. And then this is what happened. The, the world was, was dark and without form. And God said, let there be light. What, what happened? He said, word. You get that? Someone say, he said it. Say it to your neighbor. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, God said it. Say, there's power in the word. Say, there's power in the word, right? There's power in the words of God. There's power in his word. God, listen. God didn't, maybe it's just me, but I, when, when I pictured like the creation, I used to think like God did pow, like bolts and stuff. And I don't know why I used to picture this like Zeus throwing down lightning bolts and stuff. That's not how it happened. God spoke, let there be light. And there was light, but he spoke. It's the word. It's power. Listen, there's power in this. If I want to know the power in the universe, the untapped resource on this planet, 
It's knowing God, understanding the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And that happens, God's will happens through this. Listen, the word gives life. That's the first thing I want you to know. The word of God gives life. It is the illuminating, life-giving power in our lives. There is, listen, this is big. There's never been life given on this planet that didn't start and end with God. Like, yeah, pastor, but you understand, what about, what about all these bad things? And what about this? God didn't create sin. God didn't make people sin. But God gave life to the sinner. And he cursed the ground. God made everything with his words, and it is powerful. God gives life. But it's the word, it's the utterances, it's the illumination, it's, it's the power of God. Listen, this is not a chore, it's the life giver. And then this is how John goes on. He just said, nothing ever has been made except through his word. And then this is how he goes on. In him, the word, was life, right? Because it gives life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, don't miss this, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the word was life. Remember, it not only did his words, his utterances, his thoughts, his, not, it gives life, but it's also the light. When I feel down and low and I'm hopeless and I'm lost, and all of you know this feeling, right? Y'all with me? All of you know this feeling. We feel hopeless and we feel lost and we feel hurt. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. What do I do, pastor? Literally every week I have people come in the office. I just wish I knew what to do for my marriage. I feel hopeless. Pastor, I just found out that, that my family has cancer. Pastor, I just found out that I lost my job. I don't know where to turn. What about the life-giving light? What about the will of God? Because the word not only gives life, but the word gives light. Psalm 119, 105 says it like this. His word, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Listen, you've never been promised illumination for your path. And so many of us get frustrated because we're like, Pastor, I just wish I knew where I was going. The only way to know is through the light. Y'all remember, if you were here back at week one of Consider the Source, we talked about the maps, and it's time to update our maps, and it's time for some of us with some, with some smartphones, right, to start using Google Maps and stop using some Rand McNally. Put down your map. So talking to God pray, through prayer is the way that, that we communicate with God. Here's what this does. The reason that this is the light and the reason that this gives life to my dead soul, and that's some of you, remember, that's some of you here today, is because it's what gives light to the path that I'm trying to walk on. It's what gives the direction. It's what tells me north, south, or east, west. It's what, it's what activates the map in my life. I can have a map out, but if it's blank, I don't get it. This is not blank. It's got words. The words are not just words written by humans, but they were, but they were given by the Holy Spirit. And every single one of them are thoughts from God. Nothing is in the Bible that wasn't given from God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all Scripture... All Logos is God-breathed, and it's used for us in rebuking 
and reproving and, and changing and healing and helping. All scripture gives light, gives hope. You're like, yeah, but what about those boring scriptures? Everything, everything in the Bible beelines back to Jesus. And we just have to learn what it means and how to read it. And listen, if you just became a Christian, not everything's going to make sense. And that's why we start with John and that's why we start with Genesis to understand the beginning and go through. And the more you study, the more you'll know. But if you never get in it, your path will be dark. Your life will be hopeless. You will not feel full of hope, full of life, and you'll be frustrated. And then John goes on and continues, and this is what he says. There was, there was a man named John, and this is John the Baptist, not the same John. This is the first cousin of Jesus. And he came to represent the light, to talk about the light. And so verse 6 and 7 and 8 talk about that. And then 9, 10, he talks about the life and the hope. And this is the hope that it gives. This is the word. That to those who believe in the, the word, Jesus, in God, he gave the right to be children of God. That's us. That's every single one of us. We have the right to be his children. Like that's the hope for you today. That the darkness that's over every one of us, like, like, first John, or like John chapter 1 says, that the darkness that's over our hearts and over our lives will be revealed. The only way it can be revealed is the word. Listen, if you stand on my word and what I say, it's like, it's like standing on sand that's quicksand that you sink down in. But if you stand on the word, this is the solid rock that you can stand on. It never comes back void or bad or sinking. It's the solid rock and you have to stand on this. You have to stand on that. It is what for people that are hopeless gives hope. You could send a man or a woman who is the most evil carnal person in the world a Bible. And they may burn it and they may not read it. But if they take time, it has the power to illuminate in their life. And God can change them just in an instant because he, and he alone is the one that saves. He is the one by his word that gives life. He is the one that takes darkness that each one of us were or are today and gives light. And then John ends this thought in verse 14 and it's powerful and it changes everything because it helps you understand the word. Get this, and the word, Logos, became, everybody say flesh. Wait a second. So the Bible, the Logos, the utterances of God became flesh and lived, dwelt among me, among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son of the Father full of grace and truth. Wait, wait a second. So that's, that's Jesus. That this whole word we've been talking about, this whole thing, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Son, the second part of the Godhead, the Trinity, is the Word, the Father and the Word and the Spirit. And He lived with us in human form for 33 years. Now, don't, don't miss this. And He took on skin and bones and became fully man, just like He was fully God to take the sacrifice of every one of our sins as we've talked about almost every single week, if not every single week that this church has ever existed. That's why we have hope. The only hope in this world is not a man's words, but it's the word. It's the word of God. Why? Because he, we have seen him in his glory. And you're like, I've never seen Jesus. Yes, you have. He's right here. 
This is the glory of God shine down on us. It is, it is shining like a light. It's beaming out to me, but many people are dark and lost and they're hopeless. And it's because when they see this, they're blinded. He has, he has opened our eyes and given us hope. Why do we read the Bible? I read the Bible not because I have to. It's not a chore, but because I get to, because it's the glory of God revealed in my life. What an honor it is that he has given me his word. And we have it in every language that you can imagine. And we get to go into it every day. And when I'm hopeless, it gives life. And when I'm, and when I'm dark and alone and I'm feeling cloudy, it gives me light. But that's not all it is because it's living. This is not the same as these because the word is living its life, giving it's hope giving, it's breathing. And this is what Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says. It's powerful for the logos of God. For this collection of books is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And that word properly translates dagger, that offensive mechanism that goes after you, that offensive piercing to the divisions, now don't, don't miss this, of the soul and the spirit. Getting inside those places that you don't even know are bad in your life. Getting inside those darkness that you need to be revealed and the only way that it can be revealed is not by my word. And sometimes God uses my word because I'm preaching about the word. But it is not a man's power that makes that happen. It's through the Holy Spirit's power or through the divine words of God. What is that? That's the Bible. That's what makes the Bible so powerful, so amazing. It splits and it shows and it opens up. Listen, conviction, remember, is not a bad thing. When I'm feeling guilty, that's not from God. But conviction is God pulling us to himself and saying, Mark, come home. Mark, no more. Mark, come to me. And remember last week, come to me all who are, are weary and heavy laden and burdened and I will give you rest. The reason that I know I'm weary and I properly know that I can cast all my burdens on Jesus is because the sword is piercing my heart and helping me understand. It's, it's the word. And the joints and marrows and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen. Many times, the thing that deceives me the most, this is what Proverbs says, my heart is deceitful. And I have trouble many times trusting my own heart. If you trust your own heart, I'm going to strongly encourage you to stop trusting your heart. Because we can't trust our heart. The way that I can trust my heart is by living according to the Word. Because it gives me the discerning power and my intentions of my heart. And many times I'm reactionary when I want to do something. And if I get into the word and find out what it really means, when someone says something, there's always an answer. Listen, the answer to everything is found in the word. And I'm not saying that you can have a Rolodex and in 10 seconds, you can know every answer. But when you know the truth, not just the truth shall set you free. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The only actual truth on this planet that is absolute above everything else is this. It's this. It's the living, breathing word 
of God. But why? It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I put up um, a picture of a two-edged dagger. This is a two-edged knife. And you can see what it means with a two-edged knife. But I want to kind of give you a mental picture of what this does because I thought it was such a beautiful picture. It also says that it can be a, um, like a surgical knife and a soldering iron both at the same time that cauterizes the arteries back and cauterizes the skin back to make a scar and seals you up. And so it's both a cutting and then healing mechanism all at once. Now think about that. Think about that. Both cuts out and heals. And so when it comes inward toward me, when it reveals to me the things in my life it both, it both cuts it out and then heals me at the same time. And I have scars on my body, like this guy right here that was a pretty good size scar. Think about this. If you had cancer, right, and you just found out, and a doctor came up to you and said, I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what, ma'am. We got bad news. We got cancer. But I got good news. In 10 minutes, I can go cut it out. Would you guys go to the hospital right now and let them cut it out, or would you just take your chances and say, I'd probably be all right. I hope all of us would go right now and cut it out. Here's the truth. We got something much worse than cancer. We have dead souls walking around everywhere. And the life-giving, living, light-giving, active, sharper than a two-edged sword, word of the Lord is right here. My advice to you, hopefully, is based on what the Bible says, but it is not as good is the word. Because this word is always true. And then here's the other part. Here's the other part. Whenever you feel defeated, whenever you feel down, whenever, I don't know if I can take any more pastor. You just don't understand what I'm battling against. All hell's breaking loose in my life. My family's against me. My friends hate me. I've lost my job. I'm hopeless. I don't know what to do. Your battle is not against flesh and blood, which means against human beings and against the people that you've just talked about, but against principalities and darkness. This is what that means. Against the enemy of this world. Against Satan and all of the people we talked about in week one of Consider the Source. It is against something much deeper and much bigger than what we can even see. There is, there is an external battle that we cannot picture because it's much bigger than us and it's a spiritual battle. And someone pointed out last week in our First Steps class that, that when we put on the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the, and the shoes and the, the belt and, and all those other things in Ephesians chapter 6, the full armor of God, the only thing that's offensive is the sword of the Spirit. That's this. That's this. That's your offensive weapon against everything out there. And if I don't know the truth, if I'm not in the word, it's not a chore. Listen, it's my weapon. When I claim the promises of God that he goes before me and behind me, not letting my past catch up to me, not letting me believe about myself what I've always repeated, but believing the truth about Jesus and knowing that he is preparing a way before me and giving me a lamp for my feet, that, he, that I know the plans that he has for me. And on and on and on when I claim the promises of God, that's what it does. It's an offensive mechanism so I can look in a weapon that I can look at him and say, no, this is what the Bible says. 
And I'm claiming that for me. And by my word, I'm claiming his word. And I have power in that word because I believe. You know, Jesus said, if we believe, if we have faith of a mustard, we can move mountains, a mustard seed. And I can say to the mountain, be removed into the ocean and it will be removed. Why do we not see the miracles happen? We don't know the word. And we don't truly believe the word. And it has not truly set us free. And so here's the call for you today. And I want everybody to look right here. Very simple. Many of you know about God. But you don't know the living, life-giving, light-giving word. Your light has not come on. Your life seems dead. And the reason it seems dead for many of you is because it is. So here's what I want you to do today. Just where you're sitting, in honesty, if you feel like, Pastor, the truth is, I've never trusted Christ as Savior and given Him my life. As a result, this book right here is just like these other books. Nothing is different. There's no difference between all these books and the life-giving book. Because I've never trusted Christ, said, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day and you're the Word and you're life-giving, and I want life in your name. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. In just a second, I want you to pray with me and make that happen. Will you pray? God, I believe that you came in the form of flesh, Jesus, to give us your glory so that we could have life in your name. I believe you took on sin and death and my sin included. And today, I'm receiving you as my Savior and Lord. I give you my life. Give me your light. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I believe that it's not about a prayer, but if you just said that in your heart and you meant it, that you're alive in Christ. Here's what we want you to do. On your worship guide, on the back of the card, we want you to fill that out. And on the bottom, it says, I'm receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior today. We want you to check that box. And we want you to go back to the Next Steps desk right now and tell us because we want to help you take your next steps in Jesus Christ. And then here's the last thing. For every single person here today, I don't know how much time you spend in the Bible, but I'm challenging you today for the next week, for the next week, get in it every day. If you don't know where to start, start in John, start in Genesis, start in the beginning and learn what it means to walk in the light. We love you guys. Let's stand up and worship Jesus together.